Let's go live with Jack Kelly. Welcome to the one-of-a-kind LinkedIn live show that will help you with your job search and advancing your career. We will bring in educated career experts who will share their insights and give you inside tips on how to be successful in your job search. Now let's get into today's show with your host, Jack Kelly. Let's see. I think we're going live. I think we're going live. I think we are. We're live. We're live. So welcome. Welcome. Jess Smith, a career coach, amazing, fantastic, brilliant career coach who focuses on clarity and, and, and she's going to talk about a lot of good stuff today. So if you don't mind, we'll just jump right into it. Yeah. Maybe you could tell about yourself, what you do, what you specialize in. And uh, then later on, we could talk about all sorts of other advice we give people who are looking for a job or trying mm -hmm. to advance their careers. Okay, perfect. So hi, everyone. Thank you, Jack, so much for having me. I'm super excited that we get to have this conversation today. My name is Jess Smith. I am a career coach, like Jack said. And so I help people who are unhappy with their jobs to find careers that they love by connecting with their inner power. And so before I got into career coaching, I actually spent four years working on recruiting teams at a Fortune 500 tech company, Salesforce, a lot of people are familiar, uh, based out of San Francisco. And I loved it, but I really was inspired during that time by all of the little mistakes that people kind of make along the way. And I just thought if I could share what I know with people, they would get so much further in the process. And I was also really inspired by, um, I've been on two clarity journeys myself, right? And so the process of figuring out where do I want to go, um, it's not really an easy thing. So that's definitely one of my favorite topics to talk about as well, which I think we're going to cover today. I can say one thing that's what, what I, what's really interesting is sometimes, and this is not anything disparaging or negative at all, but a lot of times career coaches may not have experience recruiting or, or related things. And Salesforce, amazing company, fast growing company. Now I think what it's in the, it's in the Dow, Dow Jones now. I mean, like crazy, their, their, crazy their growth is, is amazing. So that you had actual experience placing, you know, people at a premier you know, Silicon Valley-ish type company and knowing what it takes to hire people, to bring them aboard, to sometimes not bring them aboard. Yeah. So that's real. So, so let me ask you this, from, from doing, working at Salesforce, like what kind of things did you learn that really helped cross over in terms of what you're doing now? Yeah. Um, do you mean kind of for myself or for job seekers? or For, for both, for a little bit of both, because having that experience to me seems invaluable, mm -hmm. you know, to help other people. Yeah, for sure. So I think some of the things for job seekers that I noticed, we'll start with that. Um, it was a lot of just like little things, right? Like things that people would put on their resumes or not put on their resume, right? Like that was a big one where I would sometimes end up talking to someone and they would tell me this amazing thing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why is this not on your resume, right? Um, so that was kind of one of the things. Um, Another thing that I really noticed, because I had the opportunity to interview over a thousand individuals over the a lot of people, a lot of people That's over the four years that I was there. Yeah. And so another big thing that I noticed was, um, you know, people are nervous. Sometimes a nervous habit is talking too much. So there were some times when I would get on the phone with a candidate and I'm like, hey, how are you doing? Um, and just asking that, like, tell me a little bit about yourself, right? Kind of that dreaded opening question. Right. 
Um, and people would launch into these like 10 minute stories. And I'm like, wow, we only have 30 minutes scheduled. And they just took up one third of the whole time with that. Right. And so stuff like that, where I'm like, they're just nervous. Just don't know maybe. Right. But to keep it on the shorter end. And so those were some of the things, if I think about from a candidate perspective that really stood out to me. Um, or even things like another one that stood out was um, like making titles on your resume and LinkedIn relatable. So I'll give you um, a quick example. This is actually a client example, but it's the same thing. Uh, I was working with someone who was a recruiter, essentially, that was her job. But mm -hmm. at her company, they called her a resource manager. And so that's what she like, had. What is, like, what is that? What is, I don't I, I, I don't even know what it means. I've been recruited for 25 years. Like what? Like exactly. Yeah. It's a very obscure, like yeah. totally a company internal thing, like quirky thing, right? That they did to give her that title. That's what they call it, their company. And I was like, wow, no one's gonna recognize this, right? And in a recruiting position, like looking at those resumes, that was the first thing that I was looking at because people don't read resumes top to bottom, right? You're jumping all over the place with that thing. And so the first thing my eye would always go to were those job titles to see, okay, does this person have the type of experience that I'm looking for, right? And I think that's so important when you're applying to a company like Salesforce that has hundreds and hundreds of applications coming in. Like I, at one point in my career, I was responsible for looking at 200 to 300 resumes per week. Mm -hmm. And so this is before they had an ATS and, you know, people were, we had humans looking at everything, right? right? And so if you can't give someone that immediate uh, reassurance, right, that you're a fit, uh, when you've got like 300 other people you're competing against, it's really tough. So that was like one of my big takeaways too, was the people that could make it easy for me on the recruiting side to see that they were a fit that was it was those people that were moving forward right listen so it's interesting within like a minute you've already uh, i'm taking some notes you talk a lot so one talking too much what mm -hmm. would you say and i i get this too you know from from job seekers you'll say oh hey tell me about yourself and i think we'd agree most times when you say that in the context of an interview it's oh, all right i do x y and z here's my responsibilities here's what i want to do next but then do you get this well after well, my high school job, I did this, and then and then you realize, oh my God, they're going to go through everything. Yeah, and they go on, and you just, and then I don't know, like, are you able to stop them, or what's your way to kind of say, wait, wait, no, 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 I meant, I didn't really mean tell me all about yourself. I really meant about your job, what you want to do. Yeah, I mean, I would try. So there are like two sides of it, right? On one hand, it's like a lack of, you're telling me as a yeah. candidate that you have a lack of self-awareness when you do yeah. that. There's a lack of self-awareness. So that's yeah. already kind of like putting up a red flag in my mind as a recruiter. So it's not like a hard no or anything, but I'm kind of like, ooh, okay, lack of self-awareness. Um, and then when I would try to interject, I would try to interject by like, saying people's names because that's attention grabbing right be like oh yes jack yes but like trying to put people's names in there to pull them out of their story right. and remind them hey i'm here on the phone with you right. um but yeah and i think this is kind of an an unfortunate piece of it but something that i think is really real is that when you think from a recruiter's perspective i'm talking to what 10 to 15 people a week some recruiters do even way more than that right for interviews 
And so they, the recruiters are getting conditioned by all these experiences that they have had. So exactly like you said, when someone says, well, back in college, or, and I know that they've been working for 20 years, it's like, because of my past experiences with people doing that, I've already been conditioned to be like, oh, great, here we go on a big whole story, you know? So I think it's unfortunate, but that's kind of the reality of it, right? Like if other people are doing it, now I'm starting to make assumptions about who you are as a person, what the rest of the conversation will look like. Because it comes across sometimes rude where, you know, we have a certain amount of time and now you're going to tell this whole long, boring story. You're like, wait, come on, respect my time. And also, why can't you clearly articulate what you want to do, yeah. right? Because to me, if someone can't give like in, within 30 seconds who they are, what they're about, it's kind of a problem. Like, why can't you do that? Like, yeah. Would you suggest to people that they should have, you know, an elevator pitch or just something at their ready that when they're asked, boom, they just tight? Yeah. So I would say um, practice. Tell me about yourself just because that like yeah. I work with people now on this type of stuff. And that's always one that freaks people out. They're like, I don't know what to say. And the most common thing that I see happening when I practice this with my clients, cause we'll do like a first, like, okay, let's try it and see what comes out of your mouth. And then we can tweak it from there. Right. And a lot of times they run through their whole resume, exactly like we're saying. And I think a better approach is to start with what you're doing now. And then you can take people through like how you got there. And then you can land on or wrap up with where you want to go in the future and relate that to the company and relate that to why you're so excited to be interviewing, right? And this story needs to be condensed probably to like two minutes, right? And I think uh, something to reassure job seekers is that they have your resume. So you don't need to tell them everything because they have it. So if they have more questions, they can go through your resume and say, hey, I noticed you did this three years ago. Can you tell me more about that? So I think uh, as a candidate, remembering that they can ask for additional information is a good thing. And talking about telling their story, I know as a career expert, clarity is a big thing for you. So can you, can you tell us a little bit more about when you talk about clarity in terms of person defining their career, telling their story, what that means and what they should do? Yeah. So I think that clarity is always the number one first step, because if you think about it, if you're not clear on who you are, if you're not clear on where you want to go, you're not clear on why you want to go there, it's going to be really hard to tell a story, right? And I think that's why job searching can be pretty difficult for people that don't have clarity. Because if you think about it, if you're applying to a variety of different roles, either you've got one generic resume that you're sending out to all of them, and that's not really gonna work when everyone else is tailoring their resumes and being specific. um, And you just don't have a clear story around it, right? So I think that that clarity piece is so important on the front end, and I think that the very, very start of that is creating awareness. And I think especially today, we have so many distractions with social media and Netflix and all of these things that are always coming at us, right? It's really easy to be in autopilot and just kind of be like going through the motions. I think especially 
when you're in a position that you don't actually love, like maybe you're not really that happy with your career, but you're just doing that, like got to get through type of thing. So I think that the first step is really to pull yourself out of that and to start getting aware of how are you feeling throughout the day? So this is kind of getting into a clarity activity that Mm -hmm. people can work on. But um, what I recommend, and this is something that I did to get clear on where I want to go, wanted to go in the past, and it led me to recruiting, was throughout my workday, I would pause at the top of every hour and say, how am I feeling? What am I doing? How am I feeling? What am I doing? And so what I started to learn through doing this every day was that I would come up with feelings like I feel frustrated. I feel incompetent, (coughs) maybe angry, right? At certain times. Mm -hmm. And those were when I was um, working on financial things, when people were asking me about sales numbers, when I was trying to get the profit margins to work in my Excel sheet, right? (laughs) All of those correlated with kind of these negative feelings that I had. And that was the bulk of my job. But the other piece that emerged, which was really cool, was that there were these other opportunities that I had where I was feeling inspired or excited or fulfilled. And I noticed that those feelings were correlated with activities like um, we had an intern on our team and I loved working with the intern. I loved helping her on her projects. I loved giving her advice. I loved um, connecting her with other people at the company to network with. So that was something I loved networking myself. I loved going out and doing informational interviews with people and seeing what all the other teams were up to. And I also loved team building activities. So things that I got to, I had a small team of like seven people that I was with every day. So stuff that I got to do with them was really fun and exciting. And so it was through creating that awareness that I started to get the clues of where I wanted to go. It's just really interesting. So it it sounds like what you're suggesting to people is this, you're going about your job and let's take it from people who are currently working, you have a job, but maybe you're not terribly happy. And to take time out and what you did every hour, you'd kind of say, hey, what am I doing? Do I like it? Do I not like it? Do I feel fulfilled? Do I feel like I'm heading in the right direction or not? Almost like a self, you know, you're analyzing what you're doing and taking stock of it, where I agree with you. Like most of us, we just go through life. There's so many different, you know, you're picking up your phone as like you're having a conversation and not paying attention. You're watching TV and you don't take the time to really think about where am I? Where am I going? Do I want to head this way? And as you know, time goes so quickly, probably time at Salesforce, four years probably went like that. And you're like, how did that happen? It's crazy. So you got to kind of stop and and take stock. So is there a way, like, do you, do you suggest people kind of keep a journal about it or, or this just, you know, just mentally do it? Like what's, what would you say to somebody who's going through this now, who's watching this or who'll watch it when we repost it, to say, all right, you know what? I'm not terribly happy where I am. I don't know what to do. Like how, how would they start taking action? Yeah. So I would definitely create a journal around it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was setting like a little alarm on my phone at the top of every right. hour right. to remind myself, okay, like let's check in what's happening here. Um, 
So write it down. I think writing in a notebook is really powerful. If like you old school, right? Old school, yeah. I'm doing. I'm do, actually. I don't know if you noticed. I'm not. I'm doing this now as we're talking and taking. So this way, because like when you're, I agree with you. When you write it down, it's real, and you're in the. You know what I mean? You're you're paying attention. You're focused on it. So yeah. it's helpful. Yeah. Yeah, and there have been studies done on that where you absorb the information on a deeper level if you write it. You know, it's a little bit slower than we can all type so fast these days, which we take the time to write it out. So. I've always been big on journaling, but even with notes, I'm trying to, even like professional notes, I'm trying to do more handwritten stuff. So it's a challenge because we're not always used to it, right? But pushing yourself to grab a pen, sit down with that paper and really like write out how you're feeling so that you can go back and look through it, I think is step one. I think another thing that people can be doing is to start incorporating some mindfulness practices into their lives. Um, I mentioned this before, but we all get kind of, it's easy to get on that autopilot mode. And I think what really needs to be happening is creating um, some awareness and to start cultivating that. So I would say if you can incorporate meditation, that's great. Um, I like to do emotional freedom technique. All right, what's uh, that? That I haven't heard of. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. So it's that? based off of um, ancient Chinese acupuncture and acupressure points. So we have pressure points and there are, the belief is there are meridians running down our body that our energy, which is called qi, flows through. And so what's happening um, from a scientific standpoint, Harvard has looked into this, but when you tap, so it's called tapping for short, on these pressure points, it actually sends a calming signal to your brain. So it's essentially like shutting off your fight or flight mechanism. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is you kind of verbalize whatever you're experiencing and do the tapping. So it might be like, even though I'm really fearful right now, I love and accept myself. <laughs> is, is, that, is that why like, just out of habit, when people have like, just feeling a little stressed out, you know, you, you, you have, you know, you're just doing this and trying to, is that kind of a, just an Maybe. instinctual kind of, I don't primitive. know, sure, but that what? would make sense. I don't know, right? sure, but that would make sense. Yeah. I did that this morning after you, Jess and I were talking before the show, I had this interview and I somehow didn't tape it, which I was supposed to do it. And right afterwards, I swear to you, I was like this, oh my, yeah. <laughs> trying try to get myself, because I was so aggravated with myself that I was trying to get myself to calm down and not be so aggravated because in the scheme of things, it's no big deal. But at the time you're like, Oh, damn it. <laughs> oh my gosh, completely. Or this is one of the pressure points is on the side of your hand, just tapping here. Okay, wait, how, wait, how is that? Wait a minute. How, how does that? I can see up here, but <laughs> how does that check? Like what? To just tap it? Pressure points all over your body. Well, have you, have you, have you gone for acupuncture? Does that work? Yes. My family is very, um, very yeah. into acupuncture. My mom has gone for like 15 years. So I kind of like grew up with that belief and have been myself and yeah, it's amazing. It's it feels like magic, but it's really cool. Wait, wait. So they'll poke you <laughs> with a needle, and all of a sudden you just what? You feel better? You feel less stressed? Like what is it? What does it do? Um. So I wouldn't say it's like you get poked and you're like, oh, I feel great. <laughs> but so as an example, my mom mm -hmm. has had acid reflux, and so okay. most people take medication to mm -hmm. manage this, right? And she's been. Um, as much as she can avoiding taking traditional medicines. And so she goes to acupuncture once a week and they give her natural herbal supplements and she hasn't had issues with it in all these years. She hasn't needed that medication. That's so, do you think it's that or just psychosomatic? Like you talk yourself into, I'm feeling better. 
I mean, is it, what do you I think? I believe in the energy yeah. of it. All is right. my personal belief. I'm sure other people have other sorts of beliefs. I'm definitely not an expert on it. I have right. like high level knowledge, but I definitely believe that there's energy flowing within us and all around us and that we have the capacity to shift that. I'm, I'm going to try it. I'm going to give it a shot and tell you what happened. I'm going to go for acupuncture and see what yeah. it's like. I'm going to give it, because I, it's interesting. If we had this conversation a couple of years ago, I would be like, what are you talking about? I just don't understand it, but I'll give you a little story if you don't mind. Uh, yeah. So I would drive my daughter and her friend to go to yoga and they had it at the local Y where we live. And while they would do that, I just do the circuit training, you know, with, you know, these gyms where you just go from one machine to another and then pick them up and come back. And of course my daughter and friend have to rag on me that I couldn't do what they were doing, you know, all the different poses. And I'm like, Hmm, I bet you I can. It gets into one of those. And then I signed up and probably it's now three years. I, I do yoga like every day and I do med oh. meditation every day. I do meditation. I, tell you, I do meditation when you ever, you ever wake up in the middle of the night and you have like your, your, your mind is racing and you can't fall back to sleep. Mm -hmm. I'll kind of do meditation, relax, calm down. Boom. Then I'm out like a baby. Yeah. I'm going to send you a tapping video too. If you like that, I think you'll like okay. tapping. Yeah. Because yeah. doesn't that happen where you hear something that goes, nah, that's crazy. Then you do it. You're like, oh, no, that's crazy. That makes sense. Yeah. We talk about mindfulness. Do you want to share with people who aren't terribly, you know, who aren't familiar with mindfulness, what, what that entails and what that's about? Yeah. So I'd say my definition of mindfulness is really slowing down and like creating that inner awareness and creating more space for yourself. Right. And I think we're going, going, going so much that we don't take time to just be quiet and that quiet moment is really important because that is when we can create it's hard to describe right but that like inner space to have more creativity to sometimes for me like experience my feelings right instead of just rushing past all of them so it creates a lot of space for me to um pause and get reconnected with like the highest best version of myself and I've found you know a lot of people talk about doing um, a morning ritual or a morning routine and so I have morning routines and rituals that I do too and I'm really good at doing them Monday through Friday because that's like when I'm working and it's part of you know like I'm doing this then I'm on LinkedIn then I'm doing whatever mm -hmm. so it's very scheduled but I find that on the weekends it's a little bit more of a challenge for <laughs> yeah. me to stick with yeah. that yeah. And I notice that sometimes I start feeling a little chaotic on the weekends because I haven't taken that time for myself to kind of get recentered and give myself some space and just reconnect with who I am, right? And so I found that it's really, really important to me. It helps me perform at my best. It gives me more energy. It helps alleviate anxiety. So those are some of the benefits that I've gotten from it. And I'm curious to know, what about you? Cause like meditation and yoga, those are amazing practices. It calms me down. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing like 10 things always at once, completely wired and too much so. So, you know, I have to kind of bring it down and calm down because uh, it's easy for me to fly off the handle. It's easy for me to get, you know, I, I have like a bundle of energy. So then I need that to kind of, decompress, pull back, calm down, think things through, think before I react. And with mindfulness, what I find interesting too, 
I think it's so important in the career and the job search and interviewing because there's so much, there's so many times, tell me if this makes sense, Jess, is you're in an interview and you're just not in the moment. You're not paying attention. You're not, you're not in sync with the other person. And by not doing that, you're not going to perform well because you're not picking up on the interviewer's cues. You're not picking up on what they're really saying. You're just waiting for them to finish talking. So then you could say what you want to say and it doesn't go well. But I find out if you're in that moment and you're and you're actually actively listening to an interviewer mm -hmm. and you're watching their body language, not like a creep, but just watching to see how they react to what you say, then you know, okay, I said this, she seemed to really like and think it's smart. Okay, I'm going to keep going. I said something else. Mm, that didn't seem like it went over well. So maybe that's not important and I'll shift. But if you're not really paying attention, you're, you're not going to notice those things. Right. Does that make sense? Is that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I completely agree. And I mean, earlier I was talking about people tell these 10 minute stories, right? And I don't say that to shame people, but yeah. I think it's like the nervous habit, right? Yeah. There's like this energy that's kind of ah, flying all over <laughs> yeah. the place yeah. and they have a hard time like bringing that back in. And so my thoughts on the job search process, kind of like you said, it's, it's not just about like prepping those interview questions. That's definitely a huge piece of it. But I also think that it's a crucial element to manage your mind through that process and to incorporate these mindfulness elements. And I have clients who want to skip over this piece, right? Because they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever, like my yoga, okay, what, like whatever, Jess. But I'm like, no, this is actually so important, exactly for the reason that you said, Jack, is that you can perform better when you have taken that time and space to take care of yourself. And it helps uh, with burnout, right? Because that's something that happens with job seeking too, is there's just a lot going on. And so the more that you can get grounded and be present when you're in these interviews or conversations or networking, whatever it is, the more success you're going to be able to have because you can make a stronger connection with people. See, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm glad you brought it up because one of the things, and we started chatting a little bit about before we went live, is that in my opinion, what I'm seeing both personally and professionally, going on a year into this pandemic, people are, they're hurting. You know what I mean? And I don't mean just, I've lost my job hurting, but deep inside, you know, they're depressed. Their, their self-esteem, self-confidence is just wrecked. You know, there are people who I've been speaking to who lost their jobs last December, you know, and they're like, oh, it's okay because I'm used to by January, things pick up and then January comes, then February. And then before you know it, you're in the pandemic and just couldn't, couldn't find it. And we, in, a, in our society, and I'm glad you're bringing this up because this is something that always bothers me. In our society, for some reason, no one feels comfortable talking about mental health issues. No one talk, wants to talk about mindfulness and things like that. It's almost walk it off. You know what I mean? Come on. You know, we, we have that. Come on, stop it. Well, I'm feeling depressed. Ah, come on, stop it. Stop being depressed. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> so for job seekers, for people, and not even job seekers, if you're at home and your kids are doing these online classes that suck, they're terrible, they're unhappy, your spouse or partner's at home with you, you're both juggling your careers, you have young kids, you have kids who, you know, are going to online school, it is stressful. You're worried about holding on to your jobs. What would you suggest to them? Like, how do you take some of the things you're talking about to just, just help them get through and make it and just keep, keep their head above, at the very least, keep your head above water. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that I'm learning, and this is so a very personal example that um, I'm working on with my therapist. I have a therapist. She's amazing. She's my hero. She changed my life. Is creating space for those feelings that we don't want to feel. So again, this incorporates with the mindfulness, right? Like creating space for things. And um, it kind of goes with that quote, what you resist persists. And so it's like the more that you don't want to feel that you're sad, the more that you don't want to feel that you're angry and the more that you try to like stuff that down, the more that it's like, like right here at your throat, right? Like choking you. And so what I've been trying to do, um, and again, this is like, could apply to job search or just life in COVID, right? Is allowing myself to have space to feel those feelings. So an example, this was actually just a couple nights ago. I had this dream that I was at my grandmother's house and I really miss my grandma. I can't go see her. She's in like a nursing home right now. Visitors aren't allowed still. Um, I miss her and I dreamt that I was at her house and like in her backyard and I woke up in like really deep sadness and I was like, wow, I feel trapped in my house was the feeling. And so I'm, I'm currently in Minnesota. Um, there's snow here. I, I could go outside, but it's not the same as when right. I'm in San Francisco. Right. And I can just like walk through all the beautiful neighborhoods and it's 70 degrees, 60 degrees. So I'm feeling super trapped right now. I actually just woke up and like started crying. And I think the piece of that, that I really want to land with people is that that is okay. Instead of trying to shove that sadness down and be like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like power through, like you said, that message we've been given mm. I was like, okay, I'm sad and let myself cry. And then I felt so much better about it. And so I really think that if we can try to start giving ourselves space to have these emotions and these feelings and putting a name on them, even just acknowledging them is a start, right? Say, I'm burnt out. Like I'm tired. Acknowledge, maybe you need a break from your job search. I mean, I don't think it's sustainable to be doing like eight hours right. of job searching every day, all day, right? And so if you are having these feelings, like sit down and ask yourself, what am I experiencing right now? And what do I need? How can I soothe myself? Is that going for a walk, taking a bath? Maybe it's ordering your favorite dinner or something, right? But doing something to really take care of yourself, I think is a way that we can start to just love ourselves more, even in a small capacity and gives us more space to move forward. And that makes a lot of sense. You know, so you said you see a therapist, you know, you go to that. Would you recommend that for people who are maybe going through this as part? It's part of the whole process as part of the whole career. If you find yourself, because here's what I see happening. And as a recruiter, you probably saw it as a recruiter. And now as a career coach, you have somebody who maybe is in between roles. They're getting worried. They're dipping into their savings. They're getting stressed. They're stuck at home. So then when they have a chance to interview, they don't interview that well because you could feel the stress and the anxiety on them. And this happens even pre-COVID. This is not just a COVID thing. Mm -hmm. And so now that it's a tougher job market, you come across that way, it's easier for a hire match to be like, okay, thanks, Jack. It was nice meeting you. And in their mind, they're thinking, ah, let me move on because they feel that negative energy. They feel a little resentment, a little bitterness. Mm -hmm. And even if they don't say it, you could pick up on a vibe for somebody. You could pick up. And then in a hot market, it's different. In a hot market, you're going to be, hey, what am I going to do? It's hard to find talent. 
I, you know, we got to make, eh, they're not perfect, but let's do it. But in this kind of environment, it's too easy to say thanks, no. And then to your point, Jess, I think what happens, then it puts them down that spiral because they're like, oh, again, I didn't get the job, you know, they didn't follow up with me. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where you just get bitter and angry and then it doesn't change because now when you go to an interview, you're going to go in thinking, I'm not going to get it anyway. Mm -hmm. I see you that. So it's really, it's so unfair because the people who need the help the most are beaten up the most and feel so down about themselves. So then they don't do well and then they don't get the job and it just becomes unending. It just keeps going around. It's like a hamster in a wheel. It just keeps, doesn't change. So it sounds like what you're suggesting, if they could take proactive measures and really step back, think about what they're doing, how they're feeling, how, how they're acting, and then just try to work, you know, just work on themselves, right? Is that? Yeah, I would totally agree because exactly what you're saying, um, once things, you know, you've had these negative things happen, right? And especially if you're like laid off, it's that feeling of like, why did I have to be the one who was laid off, right? Like, what, how could this have happened? Um, and then you've got these interviews, exactly like you said, nothing's coming through. And I really see that. And I think it's really dangerous for job seekers, exactly what you articulated is that once you start to get into the belief that nothing's going to work out, that's what you get more of. And I'd really just wanna highlight, I think it's really potent what you said is that you show up with kind of like that little bit of attitude. And even though you think you're hiding it, it's, humans, you can tell. humans are very perceptive. You can just tell. And then sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say it and your mannerisms. And, and you can just, you feel that where yeah. if someone comes in for an interview and they're, and this is what's so unfortunate about the whole interview process. Let's you, if you have a job and you have a good job and you have different offers out there, you know, let's turn back the clock when things were hot. You, know, you probably ran into these at Salesforce all the time because you're probably dealing with really high-end people. So they probably have other offices, they have other opportunities, they're interviewing a bunch. So they come in all like feeling, you know what I mean? You know, they're feeling good because they know, hey, if I don't get this job, I got a job to go back to. And if not, I got plenty of other, you know, places. So you do well. And isn't this like a thing you see notice? People want what they don't have. So if there's this really good dynamic person who's working, you want to hire that person. If there's somebody who's not working and maybe not so much, you're like, nah. Yeah. And I think like, it really just goes back to those energetics. And I think like, I, like I was saying, if you think you're hiding it and even if the other person hasn't maybe consciously picked up like, oh, they're angry and bitter. Like it might not even be at the conscious level, but they can just feel and sense based on your body language that something's like, not what they want exactly what you said right it's just like they may not even know what it is but just say like eh, i really liked this other person better we connected with this other person better and so i think that yeah oh and another story so one of my um neighbors actually this is a good example she had applied for a job that she didn't think that she was qualified for and got an interview and she was like, well, I'm not, I'm not really going to get this. I'm not attached to it. So not in like the, um, not in necessarily the negative mindset, but in the unattached mindset where she was like, well, I'm probably not going to get it, but I'm going to go for practice and I'm going to have fun and just like, let it be what it is. And she ended up getting the job. Yes. She was so shocked, but it was because she could be herself then there wasn't so much pressure on it to get her all tripped up. So things, you know, came out. It's so true. Well. 
Jess, yeah. it's so true. I see I, over the years, I see it all the time. The people who go in relaxed with the attitude of, hey, if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It usually works for them. Yeah. And I, 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 you know, I guess for the hiring manager interviews, they pick up on that, like, wow, this is a super self-confident person. And that's what we need here. As opposed yeah. to some needy person who's like, oh my God, I need this job. Oh no, no. Which kind of freaks you out. It's like a relationship. If you have, if you meet somebody who's like completely needy and, and, and just, just uh, after a while, it's like, come on already. But if you have, it's, I guess it's, just, it's the same thing in life as in with the whole job search, the whole career stuff. Um, but here's the thing, I, I, what I find out, so we started WeCruiter, which is a platform to help people network and get jobs. And, and we really just help it. That's what it's all about. The, the challenge I have at times is, give you an example, the other day, I just put out some questions. We have a, a Facebook group put out like, hey, how's it going in terms of the interviews? Are you getting interviews, getting jobs? And unfortunately, the vast majority aren't really getting a lot of interviews. Some not getting any interviews. They're not getting jobs. And you know, we're talking about kind of changing your mindset, but what do you do when the reality is they're just hitting that wall and nothing is happening? So like, I find myself, I don't know what to say to them to really, you could feel they're so discouraged and they're so sad. And I find myself at a loss to be like, you know, you know what to say. So what kind of advice would you suggest giving these folks who legitimately are just having a hard time, can't seem to get the traction, can't seem to get the interview, can't seem to get the job. And these are real issues. Like what, what, I know I'm putting a lot on you to come up with an answer, but is, it, is there something you suggest or say that, you know, could help them and help them get through? Yeah. Um, so it is tough and it's, I think it's tough being on the coach coaching side yeah. and you want so badly to help, like yeah. so badly you want to help, like exactly the question you're asking me, like, what can I say to help lift this person out of this? Right. And so I think um, some things that could be good are just acknowledging the pain again, like being there with people, validating their feelings for one. And I think there's that line of like validating, like I'm talking about, let yourself be sad, right? Mm -hmm. Let yourself be angry about whatever's happening. And then saying like, okay, and now like what baby step can we take to start moving in the right direction? Or maybe it's... Um, like, what can I do to re-inspire myself? So something that I would do at the beginning of a job search, ideally you do this before you're kind of in that down spot, right? And we all know it's easy to get there, myself included, mm -hmm. right? All and of us. So, all of us, yeah. yeah. Um, is to create a list of shifters. So things that can help you shift that negative energy. And the reason I say to do it ahead of time is because once you're in that space, it's like, the blinders are on, like nothing is getting to you at that point, right? But if you've got this list and I would put it in a visible place so that you see it and you're like, okay, what can I do to help myself? Like, this is the question I ask myself, what can I do to help myself right now? What can I do? And so things that I have on my list of shifters are going for a walk, so changing the environment, putting on a favorite song, dancing, mm -hmm. right? That's like a good shifter. Um, mindfulness practices are one calling a friend i would be like choose a friend that can is uplifting right like i have particular friends who 
I talk to them and it's like, I get an energy transfer from them. Right. And I feel so uplifted after speaking with them. So notice who those people are in your life that can always lift you up and call them when you're down. I know that one's like really challenging for me. And then once my one girlfriend calls me, she's like, why didn't you call me earlier if you were feeling like this? And I'm like, oh, okay. Next time. Right. Um, so calling people, I had another one. What was it? Maybe it'll come back to me, but, um, having these shifters acknowledged ahead of time is helpful when you get in that low space. Oh, this was the other one was, um, gratitude. Gratitude is huge shifter, huge, huge, huge. And we always have things to be grateful for. And so sometimes for when people are new to gratitude as a practice, they're like, my family, like, and we're all grateful for our family, right? Like I'm not hating on families. I love my family too, but even just like, I'm so grateful that I have a safe place to sleep at night. Like not everyone has that. I'm so grateful that I have clean water to drink Mm -hmm. right out of my sink in my kitchen. Not everyone has that. And so it's powerful to acknowledge the things that we do have and really try to latch onto that and get focused on that um, versus the things that we don't have. So I would really try to use that gratitude piece as a shifter. So something that I do every morning as part of my morning rituals, right? When I'm doing them, I write down three things that I currently have that I'm grateful for. And then I write down three things in my future that I'm grateful for. So like one of my things right now is that I want to go to Europe this year with my best friend. And so that's like a future-based gratitude for me. So, all right, I'm so grateful that I got to go to Europe with my best friend and we had the most amazing time. So I'm writing that in past tense to put myself in that state of being, right? Like get into those visualizations of what would it feel like to have that job? Like, yes, this sucks right now that it's not working, but it's not gonna not work for 20 years, right? Like it's not gonna, and sometimes it does go years, which is, really, really painful. Right. But I think remembering that like something has to happen next, there's always a next piece that's going to be coming. And so I think being grateful for what you have and then allowing yourself to be inspired by the future. Like I I'm really inspired by magic and just seeing how things unfold and like you reaching out to me and now I'm here and we're having this fun conversation, right? I think it's really inspiring to notice all the little synchronicities that are happening and where they lead you. So I try to lean into that trust of like, something is going to lead me where I need to go. So if you have any sort of higher power or God that you can lean on, I think that's really helpful too. I think that's brilliant. I think that's amazing. So, cause, so it sounds like really what, what you, you, you're suggesting for people to do is to take in no particular order, Let's take with the gratitude first. Yeah. We all dwell on all the negativity, the the interview that didn't go well, the offer that came in so low that you know, oh my gosh, I spent so many weeks and months, and now this stinks. It's a bad interview, losing your job, what have you. But we really don't spend the same amount of time looking at all the good stuff. So that for most people, I think what happens when they look at all the negativity, they just keep piling it up. So it's like this big mountain, and they look at the mountain like, oh my god. This is so terrible, but all the good stuff they sprinkle around. So you don't even see anything for it. And you're suggesting something different. It's like, look at all the positive stuff in your life, things that you feel good about. Um, what I do, this is going to sound really corny at night. Usually before I go to sleep, I kind of run through 
all sorts of good things that I appreciate. And because I got to keep it in balance because there's so many things in a day, even if you have a good day that go wrong. Yeah. And it could be even you know, spilled your coffee on yourself. I mean, it could be silly things, but there's so many things that you could just dwell on, make yourself miserable. But then you want to counteract it with, hey, here are some of the good things that have happened and what I'm appreciative for. You know, well, maybe you didn't get that interview, but maybe you still have a job. And there's so many people who don't, you know, so there are things that you can pick out and say, hey, this is good. And I think you're so right, because it's important, because if then you start focusing on those positives, when you interview, when you're at your job, you're going to be a little bit more positive because you're thinking of all the good things that happen, why you're so lucky. And it comes across that way, as opposed to going to work, being miserable and angry for whatever things that happen to you, going to an interview, being miserable. So I think it's, it's a game changer in terms of how you come across. And then what you're saying about, I agree with this too, because then you create your own luck. Because then as you're like an object in motion stays in motion. So if you're positive and you're, you're, you're thinking long-term and you're adding value, you're moving forward, people are going to be attracted to that. And if people are attracted to that, that means they're going to maybe give you job offers. They're going to give you new, if you're working new projects to work on, they're going to work with you on stuff. You'll get a promotion and it just gets self-fulfilling. And then you get feel even better about yourself and it keeps moving. So, yeah. so I think what you're saying is so important for people. And the tough part is, it's easy to kind of throw you up your hands and give up. That's the easiest thing to do is the path of least resistance to say, yeah, this sucks, this all sucks. Ah. But what, what, what I'm hearing from you is you have to kind of hit the pause button and say, wait, wait, what, am I pre you know, what have I done that I could, you know, what happened that I could really appreciate what happened and be thankful for it and take stock of that and then carry that with you moving forward because that's going to give you that energy to move forward. Yes. And then also with signaling, I mean, shifting, just, just curious, why shifting? Is that a term or something you coined or just a shift? Uh, like a mindset shift. Okay. So definitely didn't coin it, not my, All right. <laughs> my thing, but just like shifting your state of being, right? Like getting in that different energy. And so like things that I would do um, when I was back in San Francisco, the streets are lined with these beautiful succulents. And so just like, appreciating that beauty and it's, it pulls me out of my negativity story right so I'm shifting from like oh nothing's working today into oh my gosh like look at this beautiful plant like I am surrounded by beauty this is incredible right and that it like opens your heart and then you can be shifted to a different place makes so much sense and I'm with you on that because um to the example like it sounds like well, before I give you an example, it sounds like if you're if you're doing the same thing, let's say let's say you know person who's looking for a job or currently working, and a lot of times it's like Groundhog's Day. It's just the same again and again and again and again, and then after all, you're not even thinking anymore. You're just going through it through the motions. So by shifting, it's really you can say, wait, you know what? Usually I'm eating lunch at my you know debt. Well. It used to be the office at my desk, but now at home, I guess, wherever. So maybe instead of eating lunch at my desk, I'm just going to take a walk to wherever, get a slice of pizza, walk around my town, and then come back. You know, little things just to change up your routine. Yes. You know, if instead of at home, after, after you know, working and you're still at home, you were up early, 
and you ate dinner, you're sitting around now, instead of just watching TV, you say, you know what, maybe I'll take a drive and whatever. Maybe I'll take a long walk. Let me just something to break up that monotony to kind of change how you're looking at things. And it does help because it clears your mind, mm -hmm. right? It takes you out. It's almost like you're a sleepwalker. And then sometimes you have to say, wait, wait, I keep sleepwalking. Let, let me just, I got to do something different. Yeah. Is that kind of what you mean by yes. shifting, like just kind of changing it? Yeah, exactly. And like other things that are coming in for me. So I have one of my best friend loves quotes. So maybe there's like a quote that shifts you, right? Like, can you print that out and put that somewhere? Yeah. It always like inspires you or affirmations is another one. So like make up um, an affirmative statement that feels good to you. And I know sometimes people are like, I'm a millionaire and whatever that's so far off from your current reality. And people are like, ah, affirmations. But if you can make it just like one step further, so mm -hmm. maybe it's not like I'm in my dream job. Maybe you're not at that level yet, but could you come up with an affirmation that's like every day I'm taking steps to get to where I want to go. Every day I'm taking steps to get to where I want to go. Like something little that feels attainable and motivating. And then just like leaning on that. Like I will, I would love affirmations too. So I, um, you can YouTube affirmation tracks, which is cool. And they'll like prompt you with things, right? Um, and I'll also just say them in my mind as like a shifter, or if my mind is really chattery and I can't calm it down, I'll start like verbalizing them. Like I'll just walk around my house saying it out loud, which sounds like crazy <laughs> and silly, yeah. but it really starts to like get you into a different state of being, which is important. What about visualization? Do you believe that works? Like to picture, I'm going to, I'm gonna. I'm going into the interview and picturing it. You know, I'm at the interview. I'm at the. You know, at the place. I'm doing well. Here's here's my desk. Here's my office. Here's where I'm gonna be. Yes. Do you, do, you do I think that? that's great. Yeah. I even did some of that before we got on this call today. Yeah. This is one of my intentions for the day that I was like, okay, I get to have this awesome conversation with Jack. <laughs> it's gonna go really well. Yeah. I have no idea the specifics of what we're gonna talk right. about. Right. Um, and so I did some of that just before getting on here. I did like some breathing and I was yeah. like, okay, I'm going to have fun. Like, I'm going to have fun with this. I'm going to enjoy being with Jack as like a unique individual. Right. So getting into that state of mind. I'll tell you about affirmations. I'll give you a real life example. So kids, when you're a kid, you're not growing up saying, I want to be a recruiter. Like when you were a little girl, you probably were like, mommy, I want to be a doctor, a recruiter, uh, you know, whatever, you know, you fall, you kind of fall. I, I don't want to overgeneralize, but overgeneralize, you fall, you kind of, a lot of times people fall into it, especially if you fall into kind of what I do, this kind of contingency recruiting world, which is like really weird and crazy. So you kind of, and I don't want all these recruiters hating me. So if you hear it, I'm not talking about you specifically. I'm just talking about other people. But when you go, a lot of people fall into recruiting because they tried a whole bunch of things and failed. And it's like, okay, let me try this. And so that that was me, right? So I fall, I fall, I fall, I fall into it. But to be fair, I always wanted to start my own business. So that was the back of my mind. I figured, hey, I could, you know, which I did, you know. And I and I came off a string of just, you know, really just sucked at a whole lot of things, you know, one, one bad you know, thing after another. And in my mind, I swear to God, every day I, I program myself, I'm going to succeed on it. I'm going to make this work. I'm going to make this work and not to be um, crude, but I, I even had like a vision of how much money I was going to make doing this. And it was my mantra constantly running my mind all the time. Like seriously, when I say all the time, like at least a dozen times during the day, I'd be saying, here's what I want to do. And, and I achieved it. 
and yeah. and yeah, and I and I achieved kind of the finance, you know, the money I was looking at, the the goals I wanted to do, and it was really weird. It was like like and and can I tell you to be really honest, I didn't, I really didn't think it through to say, oh, I'm going to do this. It just it just happened. Like it just happened. It just like it ha- it sprung in my mind. You know, all right, you 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 know, you're going to do this. This is going to happen, and then it would happen just like organically. Yeah. And it was really bizarre, but I didn't fight back against it saying like, wow, what the hell? This is really weird. Because then, because this goes back, we talked about earlier, because then what, what happened, you see success and then you get more confident, you feel better about yourself and you get, which means then you get more success and you feel even better and so on. And it just kind of, you know, you talk about downward spirals is the opposite. It's like an upward spiral. It kind of keep bringing you up and up and up. And then I notice what happens too. And tell me if this makes sense too, if this falls into kind of what you talk about with clarity, because then what happens too, it gives you the confidence to try things and then by trying things, some will, will, will do really well, some will fail. But then you feel, okay, if I fail, that's all right. I learned and I'll try again. It doesn't, it doesn't really like bring you down. I mean, you get a little bummed, but it doesn't really hit your core. You're like, okay, it didn't work, but I'm going to learn from it and I'm going to move forward. So it, it kind of keeps propelling it. Yes, I totally agree. And side note, I think it's Jim Carrey. But if you Google um, Jim Carrey like visualizations, he used to drive up to the Hollywood sign in mm-hmm. his car. This is before he was famous. And he would picture himself being like a famous actor and having all these awards and like doing all this amazing stuff back when he was a nobody, right? And he manifested and created all of that stuff, right? Because of that visualization. He was like, this is my vision. This is what I want. He was clear on it and then would stay in that focus. And like you said, it was the upward spiral that he was like, okay, this is happening. I don't know how but it's happening. And then that brings me to another point that I wanted to make that you just touched on is that sometimes when you fail, it's not just like a crappy failure. It's sometimes a really important learning lesson. And so that's a mindset shift that we can start to make is, um, I'll give you an example. So I had a client who landed this interview that he was so excited about, like dream company, dream role, a level above where he's currently at, really excited about it. He went to the interview and part of it was like an experiential thing or whatever. And he gave them his answer and he could tell that the interviewer was not very pleased with it. And he actually said in the interview, he said, I think you were looking for a different answer. Like, can you tell me more? Like, was there a different answer you were looking for? And she said, yeah, I was actually hoping you would have done things this other way. Right. And he was like, oh, he was so torn up about this afterwards, right? And he ended up getting rejected from that role, which sucked for sure. But he kept going. And the important part was that he learned what he needed to know in that scenario to answer correctly the next time. So fast forward, time goes on. He's still interviewing. He ends up getting an interview for a position two levels higher than where he's currently at. He knows how to answer this question now. The whole thing goes super smoothly and he gets the that's offer. That's awesome. That's so cool. That's so, so cool. cool. And that's what happened. This is a weird thing too. Like sometimes things, you hit a dead end and you think it's the end of the world, but sometimes it's the best thing that happened to you. You know, yeah. because if let's say he got that job, maybe it'd be okay, but it seems like he's better with that other job. So yeah. if it wasn't for him, you know, failing at that, he never would have got the other thing, which which is a really interesting concept because instead of sometimes saying, oh, it didn't work, like, all right, 
you know, maybe it was for the best. You know, what did I learn from this? Because that's another thing too. Like as a recruiter, what we would always do is let's say we have, we were working on it. I don't know if you did this in Salesforce. Let's say you work, you work really hard on it. And with the contingency side, you don't get paid if you don't play somebody. So at Salesforce, you still get paid no matter what. But if you don't play somebody, you know, you're, you're not getting any money. So if it didn't work out and you didn't place it, you start, you know, so you go and think, what did we do wrong? Without finger pointing, you know, not saying, Jess, why you should have done this, Jack, you should have done this more of like, hmm. And then kind of like a postmortem. And then you figure out what you did right, what you did wrong. And then you use that for the next search. Then hopefully that makes you better and so on, just like with your candidate. So instead of finger pointing, being acrimonious with your colleagues and everyone's blaming each other, you say, okay, this happened. How can we learn from it? How can we make it better? And then you use that to get better. So, yeah. so I could see, so it, it's, it's, and that goes back to your whole mindset because there's a mindset where you just get mad and you yell at somebody and you blame them for, it's your fault because of this. But instead of doing that, try to see, okay, let's learn from it and, and, and improve. Yeah, and I think it's about, um, you're talking about being neutral, right? Like, okay, here's the outcome. Mm -hmm. Let's be neutral about it. What if it doesn't mean anything about you, right? Like we attach meaning to things like, ah, oh, I must be terrible at interviewing. I must be this, I must be bad, right? But what if it was neutral and you could just look at it from that observation perspective, right? And say, okay, I did 20 cold reach mm -hmm. outs and no one responded. Right. Great. What other method can I take to try and get a different response? And then you try that and you're like, wow, three people responded. And so if you can be neutral about it, like you're saying, take out that blame it's a lot easier to start seeing those golden nuggets of like how you can tweak things to get a better result. You could apply that to everything. So the yeah. same person who might be saying, oh, I keep applying and sending out these applications, it's not happening, to then maybe, you know what, let me just stop for a while sending out applications and let me try to focus on finding people who work at the company who I know or know someone who knows, and let's try that. So I'm kind of not blaming myself that, oh man, what am I doing wrong? It's like, okay, it's just not working for whatever reason. Let me try to do something else and see if it works in that direction and then put your effort you know, in that. And then some people are lucky. Some people do that and then it clicks. Other people, well, that didn't work. Let me try this and try, you know what I mean? And you keep trying until you find that one that, that, that happens. Um, hey, it, so far flew by. You're not gonna believe it. This has been yeah. about like an hour, but I have one less. All right, so if, do you have a little bit more time, like a couple of minutes? Yeah, I can keep going. For clarity, what would you suggest for people, whether they're just starting out, graduating college, or you know, they're 60 plus years and trying to reinvent themselves, to kind of use clarity and figure out what am I going to do? What am I going to do when I grow up? You know, I'm 40, I'm 30, I'm 40, I'm 50, I'm 60, whatever, to, to kind of like figure out, because I don't know if you find this in your practice, but from people I speak to, whether you know, in terms of just business or, or, or just in the personal world, it seems with the pandemic, people are just kind of reevaluating what's important to them. You know, they're starting to rethink, do I still want to do this job five, 10, 20 years later? Or, I mean, might we get happy or not? And they're really, there's a, a lot out there. So have you seen that? And do you have any suggestions like what people could do who are like really want to make a change or just start their career or going through a new career to figure it out? Yeah. So I definitely saw that last year. I would say in like, the May, like through summer timeframe, like 80% of my clients were in that clarity stage. Yeah. It's like, Ooh, I'm reevaluating my life. So I definitely, definitely saw that trend. Um, and I think 
what you can start to do when you find yourself in that position is really get committed to being curious and getting to know yourself. So start asking yourself some questions, right? Um, we talked about like, what am I enjoying about my work so far, right? Writing that down and then asking yourself, why do I like that? Why do I like that? Like keep going lower and lower. It's like the five whys or whatever people mm -hmm. call it is like really dig down to what is at the bottom of that? What is the true reason that you like it? And be specific about it. Like I like people. Great. That could mean anything, <laughs> right? Like, right. so it's like, no, I like working with people. I like giving people advice. What capacity do you want to do it in? I love having one-on-one -on -one conversations with people like this. this. is my favorite thing. I love hearing people's stories. So really get curious and try to dig through the layers. Um, and I would say talk to people that know you, get some feedback from them, because sometimes it's hard to evaluate ourselves, especially if we haven't, if we're just getting started on that process, right? But see what your friends and family see in you? Like, what do they notice as your strengths? What does your manager notice as your strengths? Your colleagues, right? So ask for some feedback. Um, and then I would start looking for the patterns is really important. And one of the things that I do with my clarity clients, I call it a vision clarity session. And basically what we do is we get on a zoom call for 90 minutes and I ask them a bunch of these questions, right? What do you like doing? What did you like when you were a little kid? Like what skills come naturally to you? Who do you admire? Why do you admire them? Stuff like that. <clears throat> and what happens is that they share all this personal information with me. And it's really cool on my end because one of my skills or gifts is being really good at seeing patterns and everyone has a pattern, like everyone has a pattern. And so it might be connection, right? Or um, one of my recent clients is really like adventurous. He likes, um, experiencing new things. He likes learning new things, right? And so once you can start to kind of identify, I call them personal themes, that gives you the clues as to who you are, what you like to do. And then you have to like, so that's the starting point, right? Who you are, what do you like to do? Next part is going out and exploring different jobs and then really reflecting on, okay, here's what I've learned about the job. How does that correlate with my themes? How does that correlate with who I am as a person? Because when you can start to incorporate some of those inherent strengths and things that you love doing in your work, it becomes a lot more enjoyable, right? So for me, I was doing all this analytical work and people were asking me about sales numbers and I'm not interested in any of that, that stuff. I'm like freakishly good at remembering people's <laughs> names. Yeah. It's kind of like almost embarrassing yeah. sometimes. That is a good quality. It's good. It is a good quality. It worked well in recruiting. Yeah. It was like, once I got to recruiting, I was talking to people and my hiring managers would say, oh my gosh, that person we talked to two months ago. And I'd be like, oh, Jack Kelly, yeah. right? And so I got to use those strengths and things that are fun for me. And that was why the work was fun, right? And so I would say, look for the patterns of who you are, and then how will that correlate to the job that you are considering? That's great. You know, that, that's so on spot because so many people, let's be honest, so many people will go towards a career because maybe their parents are pushing into that you know, direction, maybe because it, it offers some social status, maybe because it's high paying. And then and we probably both saw this as recruiters, then they're in their career and you realize they don't really like what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And they may not even have the right attributes for it, but they felt they should do it. Right. 
And then I, I maintain there are a lot of people when you see, it, you know, when we used to be in the office, you know, when you see people, you could tell the people who like, why did you even go this route? Why did you do this? This is, this is, this is, you don't like it. You're not, you know, maybe you're, you're doing it capable enough to earn a nice living, but you're not happy. Right. So you're reverse engineering and saying, hey, wait, forget about what society is telling you to do, your parents are trying to do, focusing on chasing the dollar and all that. Just focus on, hey, what are the patterns? What do you find yourself doing? So you find yourself, hey, I don't like doing the spreadsheets and Excel sheets and all the numbers, but I love talking to candidates, hiring managers, you know, you know, getting people to come aboard and join Salesforce. So let me hone in on those aspects that I'm good at, that I like. And then I'll add one thing. And in the real world, you also have to know it could pay, you know, so at least you could, you know, because if you do something, and even if it's your passion and you love it, but you're not going to get paid, you're not going to be passionate after a while. You're going to hate it after a while. So, so I, I would add, you also want to make sure you could have at least, you know, a living so that, you know, you won't get miserable a couple of years down the road. Yeah, I would say for people. So I have been doing market research with people um, in the clarity stage recently, and I'm finding that a lot of people only see their future options based on their current experience. There's not a lot of space to like open that up and dream about other possibilities. And so people won't even consider things because they've already written it off before they even know what it's really about, right? And so I totally agree that if you wanna have a particular lifestyle that like your salary and compensation matters, but the approach that I like to take is let's start with like all of the big dreamy things, right? And then we can narrow down, like, it's okay to say, maybe I want to be a tour guide, right? It's okay to acknowledge that and get curious about that. And then say, okay, maybe they only make, I don't know how much they make, like 30,000 or something. And you say, mm, I'm looking for more 60,000. So then you can cross that off. But there was a reason you were interested in being a tour guide. So what is that reason? Get clear on that and then apply that somewhere else, right? Like, what was it that was appealing and where can I find that? somewhere else that's going to pay me what I want. So I do think there's value in looking at all the options and then you can narrow down to like what's going to be realistic for my lifestyle. That makes a lot of sense. And then even to your example too, I guess it could be maybe you start out as a tour guide, but then once you're in that industry to see, okay, can I know that there's a, the ability to grow both in terms of my career, in terms of compensation, in terms of, you know, enjoying it and challenging. So, so yeah. Wow. So you gave a, wow, this is a lot of stuff you gave people. This, I, I, I think a lot of people, I, I don't know how you feel about this. I think a lot of people weren't going to expect this. You know, maybe your friends and people who knew you, you know, you would, but others who are just thinking of, okay, you're going for an interview. Remember your resume, <laughs> you know what I mean? And your LinkedIn profile, and, you know, they're kind of thinking in those terms, but having watched you at that summit, I realized, no, that's not, you know, that's not what you're all about. So I, I kind of know that you talk about really interesting you know, ideas and concepts to bring to people that probably haven't thought of it before, or maybe they heard about, it, but they just never, eh, whatever. So I think, you know, and this is what's so cool about what we're, what we're doing and what I love doing is because then we could, you know, bring to people's attention, never really thought about, it, never thought about my, you know, their mindset, never thought about shifting, never thought about a lot of the concepts you're talking about and could kind of say, Hey, you know what? maybe let me listen to this, let me listen to it again. And then let me, as a jumping off point, maybe do some homework, take out some books and that could help me, help me feel better about myself, help, help me with my career, help me with my, you know, it's just getting through the day, getting through this pandemic and not feeling so miserable and down and out and changing the way I view things. So I think 
I think I'm so glad you were, you know, you know, came on here and you're able to give this, you know, advice, guidance. And I, th I would bet you for a lot of people never really thought about or heard about it. So you're kind of maybe opening their eyes to some really new stuff that I can tell you, because a lot of things you're talking about, you know, I, not all, but I've done and been involved with it, And I can attest to the fact it works. You know, it definitely works. The only thing is I haven't really done visualization. I'm going to try it. So I was taking notes. So my homework, I'm going to try acupuncture. I'm going to try visualization. Then I'll come back to you, like, give it a few weeks and see what happens. Because I don't know if you can do acupuncture in a pandemic. So that I might hold off because I don't want to get my family sick if I go. Yeah, that's true. So that I might hold off. But the visualization I'll start with. I'll start figure out. I'll read some books on like what you're supposed to do and all that kind of stuff. And I'll tell you <laughs> how it works. Any, any last things that maybe I didn't ask you or that you'd like to share with people before we head out? I just say take care of yourselves. Like this is the time to be taking care of yourself. And I know we're not used to doing that. That's kind of been like the broader theme of this whole conversation, right? We talk about mindfulness and stuff, but it's like, take care of yourself and prioritize that and lean into whatever trust you can have about the future, right? Whatever that looks like for you. Um, and ask for help when you need it, honestly. Like, don't be ashamed of asking for help. That's something that I've gotten a lot better at, right? Is saying like, I'm struggling with this. Who's an expert on this that I can ask for help? Who in my network or who in my network knows someone, right? That can help me with this. So take care of yourself and just ask for help when you need it, I would say would be my parting advice. That's awesome. Hey, can I give, this is not advice, but can I break? I should, I don't know if, I checked this out, but do you have a YouTube channel or a podcast? I have a YouTube channel. Yes. Cause I got to check. Do you talk about all this on, on, on your YouTube channel? I haven't done it as much, but I need to do more. I know. I, I think, have... I think that would be great. I think that'd be awesome yeah. to do. Yeah. Because it is, it's looking at so, you know, your career, your job, your life a little differently than the norm. And just one person, I think a lot of people benefit from that. I think it'd be awesome. I think it'd be really interesting. And and I'm not saying this because you're a guest, I'm just being nice because you're my guest. I'm being nice. Is that you, you come across in such a calm, collected, thoughtful manner. So you're not like, you know how sometimes people push an agenda on you, you know what I mean? A concept on you. It's like, come on, stop. You're giving me the heavy, you know, you're twisting my arm, but you do it in such a nice way about, you know, bring it up. So I think people would be very receptive. I, I think that would be awesome. Thank you. Thank I'd you. listen to it. I'd watch it. It'd be, it'd be great. Cause, cause I think you, you probably agree with this too. All the things we're talking about, it's not like you do it once and that's it. Like you constantly got to keep doing it. It's like every day you got to shower and brush your teeth. You don't say, okay, I showered and brushed my teeth for the week. I'm done. So like these concepts, it's not like one and done. It's right. It's always working on it. Always, you know, always trying to do it. So that's the challenging part of it yeah. is like every day waking up. Every and day. Like, okay. How am I feeling? How am I going to shift today? Like that definitely takes commitment. It's for sure not easy, but I can tell you that if you do stay committed on the other side, it's beautiful, right? Excellent. Like beautiful things are waiting for you over there. Excellent. So how can people get in touch with you? What's the best way through LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook? Yeah. So the best way to get in touch with me is LinkedIn for sure. Okay. I'm posting every week on LinkedIn. Um, so following my activity, I love having people comment and jump in on the conversations. I love hearing people's opinions on stuff over on LinkedIn. Great. And can I ask, can I impose on you for one thing though? Yeah. You know what? So I know a lot of people who do LinkedIn lives, they interact a lot with the, you know, the people who, who have questions. I 
as you can tell, I, we haven't done that because I tried to have my, like, be in the moment, you know, and I find it. And every once in a while, I was looking over because I have another computer here. So we did get some questions. Would you mind once we edit this and we put it back on social media? So for the people who ask questions, I, I didn't mean to be rude and ignore those questions. I just try to really stay focused in the zone. So I'm, I'm actively listening, I'm paying attention and not getting too distracted. So I, I didn't mean to be rude, but if you're okay with it, maybe when we repost it, we could, you could answer some of their questions. I would love that. Yes, okay, yeah. so, so they don't think they were being ignored. All right, thanks. I, I don't mean to give you some homework, but since I'm doing some homework too, yeah, so we'll both that. do a little homework. That's well, amazing. Well, thank you so much. This is so awesome. This is great. I think this is gonna help a lot of people. Good, thank you. Definitely yeah. check Jess Smith out on LinkedIn, okay? Thank right. you guys so much. I appreciate Thanks. you, Jeff. Thank you. My pleasure. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the WeCruiter podcast. If you want to check out other great content from WeCruiter, make sure to visit us at WeCruiter.io. That's W-E-C-R-U-I-C-R dot I-O. We offer tons of great resources for job seekers and professionals, so make sure to check us out today.